Podmoth. Located on the edges of your radio static, you've stumbled upon the lost signal. Tonight, we bring you George Bamber's 2162. After this episode, we encourage you to check out our fellow Podmoth podcast, Real True Facts. If you like your facts real, true, but not quite factual, this is the comedy podcast for you. I only ask the place and time enough to give some small meaning to the meaningless and point to having lived. I woke up on the floor, shivering. All of my clothes were gone. It was like a nightmare. A nightmare I had dreamed many times before and dreaded coming true. At first, I thought I had woken up in my own room that someone had taken all of my furniture and clothes. But then I realized it wasn't so much a room as it was a cube. An empty, sterile cube with luminescent walls that hummed with a soft blue-green light. I jumped up then and threw myself against the walls trying to find a way out. But there were none. No door, no window, not even a ventilation tube. I banged on the walls and screamed, but no one answered me. Nothing. The smooth plastic blue-green walls that hummed with the electric current in them. That gave them light and air. And then, I slumped back down to the soft foam plastic floor of my cell, afraid to admit to myself where I was, and squeezed my eyes shut. I was afraid I was going to cry. But then, the wall in front of me slid back on its tracks, and in the pale light of the corridor, I could see a large shambling man in prison coveralls with a nine-digit number tattooed on his head. Follow. He turned his back on me, and stepped on the moving conveyor in the corridor. I stumbled after him because I was afraid to be alone. I had to know what was happening. Where are you taking me? No talk. Follow. I could tell by the steady movement of his jaw and the dull faraway look on his face that I could question him all day and it wouldn't do any good. He was chewing tranquil gum and the effects of that stuff last for a week. I could scream at him and it wouldn't bother him. Nothing would bother him unless I tried to escape. I knew where I was now. There could be no doubt of that. I rode behind my silent guide up and down what seemed like endless corridors past row on row of cells, just like the one I'd left. 
Some of them had their reverse scanners on, and that means you could see in, but the prisoners couldn't see out. Some of them were sitting in the middle of their cube, staring at nothingness, but most of them were slumped on the floor asleep. Kept that way by somnigas, a gentle gas that kept the inmates unconscious and manageable until their case came up. I knew one day I'd wind up here, and here I was, in the most scientific, escape-proof extermination center in the world. In here. The guard stepped off the conveyor in front of a heavy chrome door marked courtroom and pushed a button. I moved through the doorway like a schoolboy, called upon to recite. The room was not much bigger than the cell I had left, and it was empty. A lieutenant sat behind a desk, his plastic bars gleaming on his shoulder. I heard my guard close the door behind us. Then I noticed one wall was completely covered with the sleepy face of a computer. Sit down. I did as I was told on the only other piece of furniture in the place. A small three-legged stool in the middle of the room. I wish that they'd given me some sort of clothes to cover my nakedness because there was a young girl, a secretary, sitting at a computer taking down everything that was said and feeding it into the larger computer on the wall. Identity? Frank Smith. I said your identity. And I told you, sir. Do not hold up the proceedings. Time is precious. You were issued a combination serial, social, and telephone number that was imprinted on your forehead at birth. From here, it appears to be 1083030715. Is that correct? That is the number tattooed on my head. Clerk, let the record show the subject is hostile. Yes, sir. Now let us proceed. Case of the People versus 1083030715. Convened in the first court at 1800 hours in this day of our world, the 18th of November, 2162. 1083030715, you are charged with two counts. One, writing non-productive literature, and two, wasting government time. How do you plead, true or false? I don't understand. Have you, or have you not, written poetry? I'm a clerk in the space department. True or false? False. I have here some 100 pieces of detritus. I shall read a portion of one. See if you recognize it. In my treeless, greenless office, amid the mad despair, I hunger after exile from the chrome and filtered air. Well? Not a very good poem, is it? Did you or did you not write this poem, true or false? Well, I hardly see- Answer, true or false? False! Account then for the fact that this poem was written on your computer. There are millions of computers. As you may or may not know, each computer has its own characteristics as individual as fingerprints. 
An expert has identified this poem as coming from your machine. I can call him in to testify, if you like. There are two shifts. I'm not the only one assigned to that machine. You are not only a poet, you are a very stupid one. Every computer imprints the date and hour of transmission. In every case, the poems were written on your machine while you were sitting at it, supposedly doing invaluable work for the space department. What have you to say? What can I say? You are charged with two very grave counts in this court, writing non-productive literature and wasting government time. How do you answer? How else can I answer? Guilty. 1083037151 you insist upon imposing on this court concepts of legality as ancient as 1962 in this court subjects are neither guilty or not guilty they are simply productive or non-productive social or antisocial i repeat are these charges against you true or false answer one or the other false very well clerk yes sir Signal the judicial computer that all facts and considerations of this court are now at hand and submit the subject's work record, fitness report, sanity estimations, IQ, cooperation quotient. I watched like a sleepwalker as the lieutenant handled the thin punched and tabulated cards that were the history of my life. I watched with a gambler's fascination as one by one they were fitted into the monster's mouth and the lights blinked and flickered across its face, digesting my life and worth on this earth and estimating in hours and seconds how much longer I'd be permitted to stay. Suddenly I realized the computer had stopped. The lights across its face were dark. The machine's mouth spat out a thin red plastic card, and the secretary handed it to the lieutenant. Number 108-303-715. It is the decision of this court that you are no longer essential or desirable to life on this earth. What? On the 343rd day of the year 2162... You will be taken from your cell to the Division of Agriculture for processing. No! Your body will be reduced to its basic components. No! And your existence on Earth will be terminated. No. No! No, God! God, give me another chance! It is the decision of this court. You can't condemn a man to die for writing a few lines of poetry? Not for writing a few lines of poetry, for being a poet. If you were a scientist or engineer, we could afford to overlook these excessive characteristics in your personality. Forgive the writing of a few lines of detritus, but you are not a scientist, or an engineer, or even a mathematician. You are a clerk in the space department, and according to your work record, not a very good one at that. I have no head for figures. At a time when the world is crying out, a need for mechanical and technical brains the best you are suited for is rhyming words on scraps of paper. Can you possibly imagine the loss society would feel without you? It will be minimal. Nothing. You are not needed and you will be missed. I stood looking at the young man who was a lieutenant. 
saw his eyes on me, his lips move with no sound coming out. Everything he said was true. The world was in trouble. 300, 400 years ago, they thought they were having a population explosion. They should see it now. People live as far beneath the ground as above. New York was built out 30 miles over the water, and people commuted to work from as far away as Ohio and Michigan. Even the deserts were populated. It took mathematical and technical brains just to keep it all going. Not to mention the problem of finding new worlds in space. One zero eight three zero three seven one five. The only way you could possibly be saved from this is if you had some mechanical ability for the service and repair of computers and machines. I could try to learn. But you have no mechanical ability. Your aptitude tests show that. Just give me a chance to learn. There is no time. The world needs these talents now, not a year from now, not a month from now. But I just want to live. We all want to live. The function of this court is to weed out the people who are not necessary to the continuation of life from those who are. Artists, philosophers, theologians, and poets are not necessary. You have been found to be a poet. I appeal to the mercy of the court! There is no mercy in a mathematical equation. Just another chance, please! Number 108-303-715, you are wasting the court's time. I have many more cases to deal with today. As you stand now, you are a drain on the Earth's natural resources. In exactly 20 days from now, you will contribute to them. Case dismissed. I have one favor to ask. Everyone is granted one last request. What is it? Do I not have the right to spend my remaining days conscious? Yes. But you should request Somnigas. Time goes by much faster. And the end is not so... painful. I want to spend my last days conscious. Conscious? Why? So I can write. Write? Yes, write! I wouldn't need a computer in my cell. Just a pen would do. And some paper. I know you have no power over the decision of the court, but... Just this one last request. One man to another. Very well. Orders will be left that paper and a pen will be given to you. Thank you. No more can be granted than the law allows. You may spend your last remaining days on Earth conscious and writing gibberish poems, or whatever you wish. Next case! I had to bite my tongue to keep from shouting and turning handsprings all the way back to my cell. I had won the right to remain conscious my last days on Earth. The right to have one more chance at life and freedom. I realized fully how small that chance was. In the days when men still believed crime was cured by punishment, my cell would have been a jailer's dream. The smooth plastic walls were flawless. I searched the whole cube, and there wasn't a single chink or deficiency. You couldn't even see the little pinholes that emitted the gas when they finished you. 
I had hoped to dig under the soft foam rubber plastic on the floor with the point of my pen, but I dug at it and couldn't even scratch it. For what must have been five days, I studied the prison routine in hopes of jamming the door and overpowering one of the guards, but it was impossible. Once a day, the wall was rolled back and food was tossed in, wrapped in electrothylene and then rolled back again before you could get to it. It was possible to wait near the door, but the guards could see you from the outside, and they wouldn't open it until you were well back in the center of the cell. On what must have been the tenth day, I started to have hallucinations. People began to appear in my cell and chat with me. People who had long since been dead. To stave off madness, I picked up the broken stub of my pen and began to write feverishly. I wrote a poem to a girl I had seen once when I was 14. Then I wrote about the last blade of grass I had seen. I wrote faster and faster until I was completely caught up in the joy of writing writing about all the things I could remember, until I lost all track of time. Of place. Oh no, it isn't time. I still have 20 days left. 20 days, he said. Shh. All right, son. You still got two days to go. What do you want? To talk. You mind if I come in? It's your prison. He didn't come all the way in. Out of sight of the hall, but blocking my way. He was a very old man. His prison coveralls hung on him like elephant skin. Who are you? I'm the night duty guard. What do you want? Oh, just to talk. I've never, ever seen you before. Oh, but I've seen you. Every night. I see you and I look over your shoulder. Reading the things you write. Well, I hope you enjoyed yourself. I did. I haven't read any new poetry in 50 years since the computers came in. You got quite the way with words. Thank you, sir. That's all right. There's one poem you wrote. Uh, not before last. Which one? One about a man who's gonna die. He doesn't know why. You mean this one? Yeah, that's the one. Would you mind reading it for me? My eyes get tired easily. Okay. In the monumental silence of a long and pointless strife, 
I'm pained at my reluctance to let go this last of life. I only ask the place and time enough to give some small meaning to the meaningless and point to having lived. Yeah. I like that. How would you like to get out of here? Are you crazy? No. No one gets out of here alive. Guards do. But I'm not a guard. You could be. Now I know you're crazy. You could be if you put on my clothes. My uniform. I wouldn't do any good. They'd still recognize me by the number on my forehead. That's what gave me the idea. Look at your number. Look at mine. One zero eight. Eight oh eight seven one five. Only the eights are different. Yeah. You could take that pen of yours and make your threes look like eights. But you're an old man. I'm young. They'd recognize the difference immediately. Oh, they wouldn't. The only one who sees me is the guard that relieves me, and he's on happy gum. The only thing he looks at is my number. As long as that's right, he's happy. He couldn't tell you what I looked like if his life depended on it. But why? I don't know why. Maybe I just like poetry. Maybe because I'm going to die anyway. Look at me. I'm a hundred and ten. Yesterday I read they're going to start eliminating everybody over a hundred and two. It'll probably be law before the year's out. But that's still a year to live, maybe. Maybe more. A year of what? I can't smell anymore. My taste buds are gone. My hands and feet are always cold. That's not the real reason, is it? No. It isn't. Then what is? I have a granddaughter about your age. She's a beautiful girl. She used to write and paint some when she was young. Of course, we had to discourage it after the computers came in. Well, it would just make me feel good to know they haven't stamped out the genes for poetry completely. I hate to live in a world where you don't get anything more than what comes blasting in at you over the telecommunicator. What do you say? Are you willing? I'm willing if you are. <laughs> good. Now listen carefully. He sat up most of the night explaining his job to me, cross-questioning me to be sure I remembered it right. His job was simple, mostly just pushing buttons. The difficult part would be finding my way out of the huge prison without looking like I was running off and getting off the overhead rail at the right stop and finding his daughter's home. Finally, when he was convinced I had it right, he left, promising to change places with me the following night. I was almost afraid to believe him. The hours of what was to be my final night on earth crept by. The day had been bad, but the night was worse. A hundred times I decided the night was over, that it had all just been a sadistic trick by the old man so he could watch the agony of my final hours on earth to pass the time. I was just about to beat against the walls and scream when... Quickly, help me get out of these coveralls. I thought you wouldn't come. 
I had to wait until the end of my watch so you'd have the best chance of escaping. How much time do I have left? About twenty minutes. The day guard will be coming to relieve me soon, so hurry up, will ya? Where's your pen? Here. Hold your head still while I change these threes to eights. Now remember, stay on the overhead rail until you get out of Arizona. My daughter is the next stop after that. Okay. You're finished. Goodbye. I, I don't know what to say. Don't say anything. Say goodbye before I change my mind. Your best courage is a quicksilver thing. Goodbye, old man. Thank you. Thank you. Quick, close the door. I did as I was told, raising my hand to break the circuit, and I watched as the old man smiled at me and take up his position in front of it. The clock on the board said ten minutes to five in the morning. Ten minutes before I would be released. How's it going? Huh? I said, how's it going? Everything quiet? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fine. Fine. I recognized him as the guard who was to relieve the old man. For a minute, I was afraid he'd recognize me as his eyes drifted across my face, but then they flicked up to my forehead to check my serial number, and he resumed his steady, quiet chewing. I came in a little early. You never tell about the overhead rail when it's going to get jammed up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. Things are a mess. What's that? Uh, trouble in cell 84. See the flashing light on board? Yeah, I'd better turn that off. Cell 84. That was my cell. And when I just left. That meant the old man was probably banging on the walls. I see cell 84 is scheduled for termination this morning. Probably lost his nerve. They should make them all stay under Somnigas while they're here. Makes them easier to handle that way. I can't turn the alarm off. Of course you can't. As long as he's banging on the walls and screaming that way, you can't. Better go down there and see what he wants. Do I have to? Of course you do, it's the law. Might have something more he wants to say. I walk down the hall feeling the guard's eyes on my back. I didn't dare argue with him, for fear that he would become concerned. It was all over now, I knew it was all over. I could see the old man beating on the walls of his cell beyond the transparent plastic walls, screaming soundlessly. He changed his mind. He wanted to live. In a minute, he would be running down the hall shouting for help, and in two hours, I'd be dead. I raised my hand to break the electric circuit. I was afraid you wouldn't come back. You took the poems with you, and I couldn't remember that one. All I can remember is I only ask the place. I can't remember how it ends. I only ask the place in time enough to give some small meaning to the meaningless and point to having lived. Yeah, that's it. And point to having lived.
Returning now to the edges of your radio static, this has been The Lost Signal. Follow us on Twitter at The Lost Signal 1 and Instagram at The Lost Signal Podcast. Also, follow and rate us on iTunes. Thank you and good night. And one last thank you to Benjamin Membrino, a wonderful fan who has been helping us get the show out there. You can follow him on Instagram at SkullNTux. That's S-K-U-L-L-N-T-U-X, no spaces.